Praise the Lord. I want to invite you to the book of 1 John. The end of 1 John chapter 3. First John 3. Praise the Lord. Jesus, we, we just thank you for your love for us. How it was demonstrated through the laying down of your life for us. Father, I ask you today, may the demonstration of your love be manifest through us to those around us, that God, they will be touched by your love through us the way you have demonstrated love through your Son in the laying down of his life. Oh God, we ask you today that you give us insight as we open the word of God. We pray for wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of you unto us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We were just singing this. 1 John 3.16, Tyler was really going after this last week. 1 John 3.16, just like John 3.16, we know love by this. Jesus laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And here's how we do it. John gives us that practical Verse 17, whoever has the world's goods beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in you? I, I think at least in portion that John is drawing out of Torah, Deuteronomy. Just glance with me for just a moment. Look at Deuteronomy 15. Keep your finger here in 1 John 3. Deuteronomy 15, speaking of the sabbatical year. Deuteronomy 15, verse 7. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns in your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. You see, John's talking about when, when there's someone who has need and we have the means that we will not close our heart nor our hand to that individual. Have you been somewhere recently when someone asked you for money? Tina and I have pretty much a, a, a written or unwritten rule. When someone asks of us, we give. 
the struggle is actually on them because if they're, now, if you have discernment, <laughs> right, if you have discernment from the Holy Spirit, it might be a situation, but for the most part, we ought to give. Even Jesus commanded us, give to those who ask of you. That's a really, really tough one. When you're looking at someone knowing that money is probably going somewhere unhealthy. So it's something we have to keep in mind. But I really want to challenge us here. Verse 8. But you shall freely, Deuteronomy 15, 8. You shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. And so we want to be those who freely, openly, generously give to those around us. Now, we give to the church, right? We give to the place where God has called us to serve together, yes. But now we're talking about opportunities to give outside of that when people ask of us. Most of the time when someone's asking, in my mind, I have two questions. Am, uh, what's this individual going to do with that? I'm not responsible for that, right? We give unto the Lord. But secondly is, do I even have the means to give? And many times it's out of that sacrificial giving. When we give unto the Lord and we bless someone else, God will always come. It's as though he always has our back. How many of you have seen this? Dozens of maybe hundreds of times when we give. I, I, I cannot, I, I don't even, for myself, I can't even keep count of the times I gave unto the Lord. I'm talking about outside of regular tithes and all, just giving, and how that thing sometimes within two or three days, it comes back, and I'm telling you, probably dozens of times I could give testimony of how God gave it back, and sometimes one dollar more than I gave. Sometimes 10 times what we gave, right? And it's, it's, it, I think the Lord is coming on the backside to say to us, you cannot outgive me. Obey my word. Remain generous with my people. Amen. God help us to be a generous people. That's so good. So fact the first John, I don't want to, I just wanted to highlight that for just a moment and Tyler shared a really powerful story last week. Uh, I think he was in Aldi or Lidl. Lidl. <laughs> Verse 18, 1 John 3, 18. Little children, let us not love just with word and tongue. Remember Tyler said last week, talk is cheap. But let us love in deed and in truth, action. Let there be action to our love. Verse 19. We shall know by this, by the way that we love one another, here's that, we will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before the Lord. Look, in whatever our heart begins to condemn us, God's greater than our hearts and he knows all things. But beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask from him, uh, whatever we ask from him because he, we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. One of the things I really feel like 
the Lord wanted to bring home to us this morning is this. In your daily of living before God, in particular, not just fellowship, but when you come before the living God in prayer, is that approach, do you ever feel condemned or do you have confidence when you come before the Lord? This is an interesting subject here. You know, there are many things that condemn or try to condemn our hearts, right? Another individual who's bringing in an accusation against us, that can, we can feel condemned by that. And I want to encourage you, anytime someone's bringing something against you, number two things, make sure it's valid and legit. And only the Lord can let you know that. Is that real or is that them just coming against you, right? Number, that, that's the first piece. Um, and so, but if someone's coming against us and there's something legitimate there, take it to heart. Bring it before God and let's make wrong things right. But we don't want to come before God and be condemned by someone else. Number two, sin. When we have present sin in our lives, you can feel condemned and not even be able to approach a holy God. Number three, the enemy is always, uh, as a deceiver and an accuser, he's always the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12. He loves to accuse us in a way that would keep us feeling condemned that we can't even approach God because he knows that God is our strength. God is our source. And if he can keep us feeling condemned and accused, we will not approach the one who's giving us strength and hope and life. And so the third, the fourth category, though, is that our own hearts can condemn us. And that's the context for this passage. When does our heart condemn us in light of the passage? That's the thing I think that we need, we really need to address. And that's really just kind of like the, the primary thing. Now, let, let me, I'm going to get there in just a moment. But I want us to think through where we've been, particularly 1 John 3. We've been talking a lot about the love of God. Okay, so Jesus laid down his life for us. He's demonstrated the love of God when he took the sins of mankind, when he sacrificially laid down his life on our behalf. Secondly, according to 1 John 3, 1, behold, gaze upon this. See how great a love the Father has given unto us. Now, this is best seen, and I want us to turn there just for a moment. Look at Romans 5 for just a moment. We're going to get back to 1 John 3 in just a second. I want you to see both the objective love of God that's outside of us, and then there's the subjective love of God that is within us. Look at this with me. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ Jesus died 
on our behalf. So every time, if you look up here, every time you look at that cross, it is a public demonstration from the heart of God that the Lord Jesus has laid down his life on our behalf. He demonstrated his love for us. And that love is a, like a public demonstration. But God doesn't stop at just a public demonstration 2,000 years ago. Do you remember when you came beneath that cross and you received the love of God and you received the forgiveness of your sins? Here's also what happened. And it moves into the subjective love. Watch this. Romans 5. Verse 5, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So God didn't just demonstrate his love by Jesus in the cross, but he's poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. In other words, God gave us the Spirit as an internal witness that you're loved by God. There's a theologian by the name of J.I. Packer. He's a British theologian. Some of you read his book along the way, Knowing God. J.I., many books, but that's one of them I remember from years ago. J.I. Packer about this passage in Romans 5.5, he said, it's as though when you came to Christ, God poured out his love into our hearts like a flood and a river remains. God flooded us with his love in such a way that we would live overwhelmed in our inner man with the inner witness of the spirit that we're loved by God. But that flooding that overwhelmness of his love for us, there's a river that should be flowing out of us now to one another. See, the great thing about the love of God is not that he is wanting us to know that we're loved by him, but he wants his love manifest through the church to those around us. It is actually like an indictment against God when we do not love rightly as believers because it's God's name and God's love that's at stake here. He wants his love manifest through us so others can encounter him by the way we love them. God help us to walk in his love. Let's get back to 1 John 3. And we'll, we'll just see it the way John said it so many times. Look at 1 John 3, verse 10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Go back to chapter 2, verse 7. Beloved, I'm writing a new commandment to you. I'm not writing a new commandment, an old commandment, which was from the beginning. And he's speaking of that John 13. 
that Jesus said before he went to the cross on Thursday night. He says, I want you to love one another. All men will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Now look at chapter 2, verse 10. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. What would it be like for us as the people of God when you go through a, your daily life that there's no cause for stumbling in us? Wow. There's, no, there's nothing that causes us to stumble. Why? Because we are abiding in the light. And you abide in the light in the way that we love one another. God, James, John puts love and light together in the same verse. And when we're abiding in the light by loving one another, there's no cause for us to stumble in our Christian walk because loving one another is the fulfillment of the law, according to Romans 13, Galatians 5. Really a profound thought. Now let's get back over to chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. And he who does not love uh, abides in death. Wow. This is like because we're born of God, we're children of God, and love and our love life becomes a mark of the Christian. This should mark us that we love one another. We begin to love one another rightly, and we continue to go down this road. Listen to me, people's church. As we grow in love for one another because we're rightly loved by God, listen, there'll be standing room only in the church of God when we're rightly loving one another, for real. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. Amen. So God's heart and his will is that... The love that's demonstrated by Jesus on the cross and poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that is that it, that love will be manifest through us. When people feel loved, they know that they're in a place of safety. They know they're in a place where they belong. They know they're in a place that these people are mature. You know it. When you enter a place where there's always a little bickering going on, you know you don't feel safe. You don't feel like you belong in that place. And God is continuing desire that we grow up. So when we love one another rightly, we won't feel condemned when we come before God, but we'll have confidence before the Lord. I want to live confident in my walk with God when I approach him. This is a fascinating thought that's coming from this context of this passage, but it's bred throughout the scriptures. And we're going to look at a few passages. And here's, here's kind of the, the way that I want to say it. It's almost that God says, there's our vertical walk with God, and there's our horizontal walk with one another. But in God's mind, they are one reality. Our vertical walk and our horizontal walk are one reality in God's mind. And we're going to find out why that is true. And I, I want to I say it the way I think the passage is saying it. Because exactly, let's, let's see it first from 1 John. I want to make sure we see this, okay? Back to verse 19, 1 John 3. 
We shall know by this, by what? By our loving one another with our worldly goods in deed and in truth, we, will, we shall know by this that we are of the truth and our hearts assure us with confidence before God. Verse 20, if our heart condemns us, why would my heart condemn me before God? It's when I'm living out of fellowship with someone else is my heart condemns me. But when I'm living in right fellowship with one another, I have confidence before God. So now we go back to something I said probably two months ago. How is our love life? And I'm not talking vertical now, although it's one reality. How is our love life? I'm not even talking about marriage right now. I'm talking about as the body of Christ, how is our love life? How are we doing? I'll say it this strong, and I believe it. Our prayer lives will rise and fall on the basis of how we love one another. That's, I believe, the strength of what John is saying here. Because look what he says, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us because we're walking in right horizontal relationships with one another, we have confidence before God. Verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive. You see this? So John is saying our, our prayer lives rise and fall. Our confidence before God rises and fall on the basis of how we are walking in right relationships with one another. And it's sitting right here again completely, I believe, in this context. So it comes down to this. How are we treating one another? Here's the thing that blows my mind. I've seen it over the years in terms of a few passages we're going to look at now in, in terms of application. God, watch this. God is willing to interrupt and hinder our fellowship with him, even our prayer lives, based on how we are rightly walking in fellowship with one another. For real. So let's open up a few passages and let's see if we can prove that thing to be true. Let's begin in uh, Mark chapter 11. We just look, we're going to look at just a couple quick passages and bring this to a head. I want you to see this. I want to say it again though. This may be new to some of us, but I think it's, it's just a clear biblical pattern. God is readily willing to interrupt or even hinder our prayer lives based on us rightly loving one another and living in fellowship with each other. In other words, God's going to say, this, you cannot come and have intimate fellowship with me when you have ought with your brother. Isn't that like, isn't that like really in some way the goodness and mercy of God? He won't just let us think we're going to come up and be buddy buddies with him and be out of, of fellowship or irreconcile with someone else. This is a stout truth that we need to take to heart. 
And you know, as even as a body here, we've been down the road. There have been a lot of ins and outs, ups and downs in this body. And what God is doing is he's continuing to get things right horizontal. It went my notes. Get things right horizontal so that we can be a people where his presence dwells in our midst. And he is first place among us. But it's going to require us in how we walk with one another. Yeah. Profound. How about this one? Matthew 5, verse 9. Don't turn there. Just listen for a moment. Blessed are the peacemakers. These are the sons of God in the coming kingdom. In other words, mature sons and daughters of God are those who are peacemakers. I was teaching this recently. Boys and girls are peace breakers. Sons and daughters are peacemakers. And God wants us to be those who make peace and do it quickly. Here it is. You ready? Walk, walk this one out. M keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. Oh, my. Jeremy, what's going on here, man? All right. I, I'm going to give me a piece of gum and stick it on here. So here we go. We got it. Keep short accounts. I, I, this must just be the, the funniness of God, okay? If I'm out of sorts with that woman right there, my wife, 30 years next week, praise God, amen. And Cynthia Colbertson is 65 today. God bless you, Cynthia. And she's leaving for the beach tomorrow, so you go celebrate real well, okay? I I cannot, if I'm out of sorts with Tina, it's going to show up tomorrow morning <laughs> or later tonight. Because, right, because we live before God. And I, I will not be a poser in the presence of God. You can forget that. I want a real heart before a real God, and he will not allow me to have out of sorts, irreconcilable relationship with my wife and think that I'm going to come and bless his name. He's going to say, first, go make it right with her and then come. So that takes us now to, all right, here we go, Matthew 5. Now, here's the thing that concerns me about teaching on this again because I feel like a broken record. But it's part of the context of where we were in 1 John. So I want to come back again. I know I've been in this passage a number of times. One of the reasons you might hear a preacher repeat passages a lot is because those passages mean a lot to his heart. But also, I think these are things that are like really important on the heart and mind of God. So look at what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 Verse 21, you've heard it said you should not commit murder, 21, but I tell you, if you're angry with your brother in your own heart, so you see what he's saying? If we have something in our heart because, uh, let me leave that alone, move to, move to verse 23, if, if we are at the altar, Offering before God, 
coming before him and his presence, and there at the altar, verse 23, Matthew 5, there at the altar you remember that your brother has or holds something against you, leave your offering there and go first quickly and be reconciled to your brother. Do you see the power of this? God is saying, I'm willing now to interrupt this time at my altar. And there's a lot of background here that we're not going into today. But, but I'm willing, God says, to put this offering on hold to interrupt your worship. You go first and be reconciled to your brother. You see that? I want to ask us a serious question. I never forget the times God showed me this. And he's just like, oh, God. Because here, here's the, God shows you, he exposes it in you, and then you realize, I got to go do something about this. The times where God showed me that, that there's someone who has something. Is that the way he said it? When you're at the altar and you know that someone has something against you. They have something against me or us because of something that I did to them. That's the context, you see. So when you know, let's just ask the question. Let's just pause for a moment. Do you know even now, here's the hard reality. It could be something even from 30 years ago. Beloved, let's be those men and women who make wrong things right before others that we can come and make wrong things right in the presence of God. Do you know of anyone even now that we have hurt, that we have offended? Let's be quick to go be reconciled. He says it in the context of Matthew 5. Go first, and he says quickly. Go first and go quickly and be reconciled to your brother or your sister. I'll never forget so many times I would kneel at Eli's bed. And then I'd go and kneel at Mary Grayson's bed when they were just young children. And I'm there praying for them, good night's sleep, always lay our hands on our children, amen. And I got my hands on them, and the Holy Spirit reminds me of something I did or said during the day that, that maybe opened up, maybe it hurt them, maybe it was my tone in the way I spoke. And I would, there it was. And I just say, Eli's son, Mary Grayson, I, I'm sorry. You remember today when daddy, boom, 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 boom. I, I want to tell you I'm sorry. That wasn't right. You know what this is about? We keep short accounts. Keep our hearts before the Lord. And if we need to, go first quickly and be reconciled to someone else. Now, Matthew, uh, Mark 11. Mark chapter 11. He flips it. He flips it for us, and we see another side of this. Mark 
11:22 Have faith in God. Amen. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask and believe, believe that you've received them and they will be granted unto you. And so God's like, come in faith. Ask and believe and don't doubt in your heart. Believe me that the things you ask for, I shall surely bring to pass. And then he gives us the second clause. Have you noticed verses 25 and 26 in the context of prayer? Have you noticed it? Here it is. And... You see, Jesus like, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. You see it there again? If, you have, if you're holding anything against anyone so that your Father in heaven will forgive you of your own transgressions, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your transgressions. Here it is again. Come believe God. Walk in faith. Ask and not doubt in your heart. Amen. But if we come to stand before God in prayer to have faith, but we have unforgiveness towards someone else, you know what he says? Forgive them. So one piece is when I know someone is holding something against me, go first be reconciled. In this case, if I know that I'm holding something against someone else, he doesn't say go be reconciled to them. He says forgive them. Because you know what you'll do? If someone has hurt us and we go to try to, I'm going to tell you something, you, do, 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 you know what you just did? You just stirred up a hornet's nest. In other words, if someone has offended or wounded us, just forgive them before God. Forgive them. Don't hold it. Y'all ready? Y'all know I've taught on this, right? Come on. Everybody put your fist. Come on. Right where you are. If we are holding anything against anyone, God is saying, forgive. Do it one more time. God says, release. Release the hold. Because not only is that hold keeping you irreconciled with them, but number two, it's keeping us locked down before God for sure. Unforgiveness is probably one of the primary targets of the enemy. And it keeps us from walking in right relationships with one another, but also it will affect our prayer lives. You see this? There's so much more we can say about this, but I'm going to close with one last passage. Ooh, husbands say, ouch. We're getting ready to come home to the daddies, to the husbands now. All right, here we go. First uh, Peter chapter 3. Jesus. <laughs> This is the last one, though. I want to pick this one up. But I want you to see it again, that we, God is willing, God is readily willing to interrupt or hinder our prayer lives on the basis of how we are rightly treating, loving, walking, forgiving one another. It's as though our vertical and horizontal are one reality. I think I'm wearing that point out, but I just want to say it again. 
And let me just say this, guys. Romans 12, 18. As far as it depends upon you, as far as it depends upon us, be at peace with all men. Be at peace with all men. Amen. This is just right. Help us, Holy Spirit. You know what happens when we start being peacemakers? We start growing up on the inside. I don't feel like a boy. <laughs> start becoming a man. I don't feel like a boy. I start becoming a son. I start maturing. It's not easy. It's not easy. But God will help us mature. All right, 1 Peter 3. I can't let the women off the hook. Now, I want to tell you all something funny about this passage real quick, okay? Notice the context of the passage is back to chapter 2, and it's the way, look at it, 221. For you have been called for this purpose. Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his footsteps. And when he was reviled, he says, do not revile back. Don't, don't uh, when you've been cursed, bless don't curse, right? So that's the context. And then he comes into chapter 3, verse 1. It's like, ooh. So he's speaking now. Now, this is what's funny to me. Y'all ready? He's going to give the wives six verses, and he gives the husbands one. Yeah, y'all know, know why, don't you? Just tell me one thing, Tim. Just give me one, one, one. How many of y'all husbands like that? She just told me four things, and I'm like, I'm overwhelmed. Tina, I'll pick on Tina for just a minute. Sometimes we get used to, she doesn't do that, but back in the day, on, on, we get up on Saturday mornings, and I'm not kidding you, before I even like maybe get my coffee, she done told me four or five things we need to do today. Now I'm depressed, and I don't have no energy to do nothing. <laughs> now if she would have just told me one thing, I might can get that one, but like one, two, three, four, you know, you already... So anyway, the women get six verses because Peter's just kind of like, hey, by the way, here's the, 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 the. Peter's weaving it to the woman. To the man, it's just a knockout punch because <laughs> he's like, you can only handle one thing, right? Now, I'm not, uh, wives, be submissive to your husbands. So when they are disobedient to the word, chapter 3, verse 1, they will be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Father, I ask grace over our wives today that they would have chaste, they would have loving, gracious, merciful, holy spirit, empowered love and behavior. God, that it would be on display before husbands who are disobedient. Oh, my God, I pray. Grace our wives, God. Grace them with your word and the power of the Holy Spirit, God, to continue to rise up and do what's right in the face of a disobedient husband. In Jesus' name. He goes on and he says, by your chaste and respectful behavior, he says, not by the, net, the external, you know, yeah, you, you know, the braiding of the hair and the gold jewelry. But look, here it is, women, verse 4. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality, a gentle, quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. And he goes on and shares some things. He shares an example from Sarah. I'm going to leave that alone because I really want to just come after us men now. God help us. 
Verse 7. You husbands likewise. <laughs> now keep in mind 221, the way Jesus laid down his life. The way Jesus submitted himself to the will of God. Now you husbands likewise. Look what he says. Live with husbands, husbands, husbands. Attention now, husbands, beware. Husbands, listen. God help us. Husbands, live, dwell with your wives in an understanding way. What does that mean? The Greek word means according to knowledge. Here's, what it, here's the basic idea. Mr. Phil, here it is. He's like, don't preach to me. <laughs> here it is. Know your wife in such a way, Miss Terry. Know her in such a way, what makes her tick and what ticks her off. He does that. Praise the Lord, my brother. And here's the deal. The knowledge is so that what makes them tick, do more of it. And what ticks them off, crucify it <laughs> and put it down, right? So I just want to encourage us with that. Uh, dwell, let's dwell with our wives according to knowledge of the way that they're built. Quit ticking them off, right? And then it, look what he says. Since she is a woman, look, grant her honor and value as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Like, know her and value her for the way God made her and celebrate it. Amen. Now, here's the clincher. It's at the end of verse 7. Why? So, men, that your prayers do not go unhindered. Or that your prayers would be hindered. You know what God is saying again? I'm willing to interrupt and hinder your relationship and fellowship with me on the basis, men, of how we are rightly valuing and honoring our wives. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, God. Jamie, Jen. I think this is what's going on in 1 John 3. Father, we want to be rightly connected in loving one another that we might have right fellowship with you. Father, we do not want to come into your presence with a condemned heart. We want to come before you with confidence that when we ask from you, that God, you release to us what we need. Father, I'm so thankful the way that you designed this. It's as though one reality have right relationships with others that you might have a right relationship with me. Help us, God. I want to invite any this morning. You want to come and just lay something down at the altar. Maybe there's just something God spoke to your heart. If we hear his voice, 
let's not harden our hearts. Let's obey what he says. And in any way that God has come to minister to us today by his word, let's obey. Let's make wrong things right. If God has put someone on your heart that's outside the assembly today, and you need to go make something that's made, that was wrong right, go be reconciled. Maybe we need to forgive and release the hold that we have against someone. Let's make wrong things right in the presence of God and then go be reconciled to a brother or a sister this week. Give us grace and courage. Father, give us grace and courage to have right, loving relationships. Help us, God. Just want to encourage you just right where you are. Just remain seated. And let's allow this closing song to minister to our hearts as we minister to God. If there's any wrong that needs to be made right, let's, let's pursue that. And the altar is open in the name of Jesus.